It's time for another episode of Corner of the Galaxy from the Box, the show that gets you behind the scenes of the LA Galaxy and into the minds of soccer reporters and MLS experts. Your hosts for the day are Corner of the Galaxy's Josh Gessman and LA Times soccer reporter Kevin Baxter. Let's start the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Corner of the Galaxy on cornerofthegalaxy.com. I'm your host, Josh Gessman, coming to you on a Monday, April 3rd. Uh, LA Galaxy get a uh, 2-1 loss against Seattle Sounders at home. Uh, now l- losers of two out of their first five, winless in their five. Uh, LA Galaxy struggling a little bit, but... I mean, I guess you're here for rainbows and sunshine because that's what I see. Uh, there's a lot of positives, still some negatives we can take away, but we can talk about it, figure it out a little bit uh, as the LA Galaxy get ready to head to Houston this next weekend. So some things to talk about. Douglas Costa makes his way back after Ryan Alvarez doesn't make his way off the bench. Um, the finger broken finger gate. We're going to talk about all that fun stuff and get you to it. Uh, the panda, he's in Uganda. I know I didn't tell you that before, but I figured I could tell you that now because he's actually on his way back from Uganda. Uh, it's about 24 hours, 26 hours um, in terms of travel time. So uh, I don't think I'll be talking to him tomorrow, but perhaps the next day. Um, so we'll have Panda back on here whenever uh, whenever he comes back. So that's probably next Monday is the first time that we will be able to uh, talk a little bit with the Panda and see how he's doing. And we can certainly ask him ask him about his trip to, to Uganda. Um, he was there on assignment. Um, it was a baseball story, but it's still always interesting to have Kevin uh, talk about all those things uh, to help me out here coming up in just a couple minutes. We're going to be joined by Christian Miles. So Christian will uh, will talk. And I think Christian's even like on vacation. Um, and he somehow convinced his wife that that he was able to, to talk to us for 20, 30 minutes or something like that. So uh, <coughs> a very interesting time for the L.A. Galaxy. Uh, again, winless in five. It's a it's been a little while since the L.A. Galaxy have been winless in five. In fact, did not do it all of last year. So they've actually topped their last year's winless streak. Longest last year was was four. I hope everybody was doing well. I hope everybody sort of enjoyed a little 430. I should say almost 5 p.m. kickoff uh, for the LA Galaxy and the Seattle Sounders. Um, and a really interesting game. As far as I'm concerned, the most entertaining game I've watched the LA Galaxy play in, in a little while, certainly this year. Um, some really strong performances from some people. There's some guys who, who really seem to be coming into their own. Um, I know lots of people say the Galaxy didn't play well in the first half. Actually, I thought they played very well in the first half. Um, I'm not saying that they were as offensively good um, as they were in the second half. And certainly when you're down two goals, you tend to push forward a little more, throw a little more caution to the wind. Um, But outside of and Greg Vanny uh, fact check this one, whenever we were actually talking to him after the game, he goes, you know, they had one chance. Um, you know, and that was the one, uh, that was, that was pretty early on that, that Caligari got caught up and, and that, uh, and that, 
uh, Casares, uh got caught, caught up into that. Uh, sort of left Jalen Neal there. Uh, Vanny talked about Jalen Neal. Jalen Neal, I thought, had a good game. So we're going to talk about all that um, as soon as we get Christian Miles on here. I'm, I'm not as down as thing. I will say this, though. If the Galaxy don't get somebody who can finish, uh, looking at Dayon Jovalich, uh, who basically didn't create any chances, um, really did nothing in that first half, started to open up in the second half, but that was mostly, I think, for um, because of Preston Judd being in there and Judd's more directness, um, his ability to run in behind, his ability to find things. Some interesting comments from Greg Vanny afterwards about Preston Judd, too, that could possibly see um, maybe the Galaxy going into a 3-5-2. And if the Galaxy go into a 3-5-2, uh, who are the two up top? If, if you're guessing for me right now, I'm telling you uh, that I don't find uh, that it's going to be Dayon Jovalich playing in a two with Chicharito. Uh, Greg seems to th- think that Preston is a uh, is a different cat whenever it comes to those things. So um, we're certainly going to see how that all sort of settles around and how that sort of, uh, puts itself out. We had uh, the Bond injury, obviously, and then we had the Jonathan Klinsman in- injury as well. Um, so you know, you look at this and you're sort of like, okay, um, you know, wasn't great, and and you don't like the loss. Um, individual mistakes on the on the defensive side of things. Um, a couple individuals at the ta- same time, uh, it, it seems in some of those cases. Um, and, you know, that's that's where you put yourself. The bottom line is the Galaxy are playing, and, and Greg Vanny used the same thing. He called margins, right? The Galaxy are sort of playing on these margins. Um, it's, it's very... And I think we've talked about this on the show many times before, um, so I don't want to get, you know, too into it, but it is, you know, what's the difference between a winning team and a losing team? Um, how many percentage points is it? Is it 2%? Is it 5%? Um, if calls go one way versus another day, does that change a game? And we know that in soccer and uh, football in general, that, that those tiny little things end up costing uh, the LA Galaxy. Greg has an argument um, sort of saying that perhaps, and I think if I did the correct math correctly, that he thinks that maybe perhaps they should have had as many as seven points um, that they've lost out on so far earlier in this year. Um you know, I think that's really interesting, uh, just sort of his take and, and on how things are, are, are sort of working there and um, and and where he sees, you know, those points being won and points being lost. And obviously we had a very animated, um, you know, Greg Vanny after after the game. So we can talk about that um, as well. Uh, so but before we do that, let's uh, let's welcome a man. Let's see if we can check in. Um, somehow he convinced his wife that even though they are somewhere uh, other than home and probably enjoying some quiet time uh, that you somehow figured out that talking to me was a great idea. Christian, is that did I get that story right? It's the honeymoon of my honeymoon, Josh, <laughs> talking to you for from uh, to the corner of the galaxy. So, yes, I, I finagled my way into a, a, uh, a closet in our Airbnb in Oceanside, California. So here I am. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Dude, we are we are so, so glad that uh, that you could join us. I've been trying to catch up with you. I've been trying to do all this stuff. And I think we've tried a couple times and it just didn't work out, which is what happens sometimes. Um, can, I, can I tell you about my exciting thing that happened to me today? Um, Please do, because I don't have anything to tell you. <laughs> I have uh, in my mailbox today. I, I may have ordered um, some some Jalen Neal first game tops <sighs> tops cards. Um, so I have yes. I, I have five of those sitting here um, now. I, I am going to give these out. Right. This is I ordered these to give these away. Um, but I also may have just ordered the five five of the Jalen Neal scores this first MLS goal cards as well. Um, so I think I'm going to put those together in a package and like you're going to win both of those cards. Um, and oh. and perhaps if we get lucky, I might be able to get him over to the galaxy and have uh, have him sign those. So that way we can hand those out, because as far as I am, um, 
as far as I'm concerned, um, you know, this is this is probably one of the most exciting things that's happening for the galaxy right now is Jalen Neal. Oh, well, well, first of all, I'd like to add onto that package and get the MLS Mom of the Year T-shirt to Sarah Neal, <laughs> yeah, Jalen's right. mom, who is just fantastic and, and just a, a great individual and such, you know, part of such a great family and supports her son as, you know, as, as best as any mother could. So just so happy for them to, to watch Jalen, you know, I've watched him since his days and young days at LA Galaxy 2 and you know, in talking to Junior Gonzalez, the old LA Galaxy 2 coach, said, hey, you know, this is a kid that we I can see, you know, going overseas at some point. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Then you watch him play. You see it develop. And then just like you said, we, we saw it Saturday night. To see him score that goal, it, it's it's great. And, it you know, it, it's befitting of him. It's deserved. And, you know, more power to him. So congratulations to them. And, yeah, I want one of those cards, by the way. I have to get one of those. You you, you need to get out in there and order them. They're, like, limited time. They're only <laughs> available for, like, 10 days or something like that. Like, it's it's real quick. It's weird. How, cards are so different than, I think, whenever I was I was a kid, probably when you were, too, that, like, you know, you'd have to buy them in a pack. You didn't know which cards you were getting. Like, there was all sorts of these rules. And now you can just, like, order the ones you want, but they're only available for 10 days, and then they print them, and then they're they're done? Like, is that is that what we see? <laughs> I know it's like it's off an app too. Probably like back in the day for me, it was like you know you cut the, cut it out at the bottom of a comic book for ten cents and mail it in and get it back you know six weeks later. Hopefully that someone hasn't you know pilfered through it. So yeah, times have changed, but yeah, it's great. To, great, to, it's crazy they still have the cards around too because I remember the old days of the Panini stamps for the soccer players right. and you know the old trading cards for the for the baseball players and such. Uh, it's cool to see that old school tradition continue, and uh, it's so great to see Jalen, you know, a part of that. Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Jalen's Jalen's a good kid too. Uh, talk to us a little bit afterwards. Um, so always fun. We'll we'll talk about Jalen. I'm sure here in a little bit. Galaxy lose uh, Christian two to one. Um, I, yeah. I, I sort of led this show off by saying it was the most entertaining galaxy game I've watched this year by far. I thought that there was a lot of chess sort of being played here. Um, you knew Seattle. I was, I was interested to see Christian, how Seattle would, would morph their style, right? Because we know that when Seattle's at home, they're a possession-based team. They like to run through the middle, right? They love to use Jordan Morris, and they love to control possession, and they do all those things that really the Galaxy like to do. But but Seattle on the road is a, is a little bit of a different animal, which is it's smash and grab Seattle. Sit back, smash and grab, um, and the Galaxy get caught out twice in you know that first half within you know some minutes of each other. Um, just... It, it, it feels like there was a lot there for the galaxy to grab and and they come away with, with nothing. Yeah. I mean, and you have to say they kind of, you know, tip of the hat to Brian Schmetzer because I think he might've outwitted Greg Vanny in this instance. And the fact that everybody knows that the galaxy are vulnerable in transition and they do get caught out. And it's exactly what happened. You, you look back at this game and on the balance, the galaxy for me, clearly the better team. I mean, in between the boxes, they were great, but you know, the, the goals are too easy to concede, as Greg Vanny alluded to in his press conference. Um, and it, the transition moments were the moments that counted. And, and all credit to Brian Schmetzer, who, yeah, they do play possession, but it's also a team that's been forced to sit back a little bit with all of the international call-ups and injuries and such. that They've adapted to that game well, and you know, it revealed itself in, in the prior game in that 4-1 comeback win against Sporting Kansas City. And then putting Jordan Morris at the nine and Leo Chu, who is a revelation uh, on the left-hand side, yeah. who I thought was going to be the game changer, and he, you know, played a role in both goals and, you know, had a, had his sound impact on it. So credit to Brian Schmetzer, who, 
you know, he made the adjustments and, and recognizes what he does is he recognizes the strength of his team and it can set up his team based upon what he's got available. And he really had to do some major adjustments without, you know, four or five first team players, half of his first team out in essence, and then putting Jordan Morris at the nine, keeping Jordan Morris at the nine when Rui Diaz was available for selection back from international duty. Um, and he held faith as well. He should have, I mean, you can't sit a player down and play him out of position from the position that he scored, you know, a hat, natural hat trick plus one. And, and, right. and what can you say about Leo Chu? I mean, my goodness, uh, you know, he's now, he's now becoming the player that they anticipated. And, um, you know, he kind of uh, had Louis, Lucas Caligari for lunch um, in large stretches in, in those moments of transition, I should say. So um, I, I'd say, you know, tip of the hat to Brian Schmetzer, who's, you know, once again, did what he had to do. Uh, against a, a galaxy side that was you know, caught wanting in, in those key, key moments. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you, everybody should go back to whenever Brian Schmetzer took over for Seattle um, and some genius on this podcast said, no, nope, I don't see it. I think, I think that's a downgrade. <laughs> I think that's a downgrade. Brian Schmetzer, by the way, getting his, his 100th win, I believe over the, uh, the 100th league win whenever they beat the LA galaxy. And he's the fastest to do that. Um, so really, really uh, interesting. And I always like the matchups between the Galaxy and the Sounders, but there's some history yeah. here as well, which is that the Sounders are now the first team in Major League Soccer to ever go uh, basically undefeated in 10 results versus the LA Galaxy. The LA Galaxy have not beaten the Seattle Sounders in 10 games. Um, and this was the first time that any team has done that. Uh, one tells me two things. One, the fall from grace. I remember in uh, in in 2000, basically 2009 and on uh, all the way through the three MLS Cups that the L.A. Galaxy always found a way to best Seattle. Right. It wasn't always mm -hmm. they didn't win every game, Christian, but they won most of the important games uh, whenever it came to it. So, um, you know, you can go back to some of those playoffs wins. So one is the Galaxy had, you know, a really strong start against Seattle, but Two is one the fall from grace from the for for the galaxy, and two just the consistency, um, the consistency and excellence that that the Seattle Sounders have, have sort of put together over the years. Oh yeah, for me, it's it, they're the hallmark franchise. You know, they are the legacy franchise of, of the last decade. The way this team consistently finds itself not just in playoff positions, but you know, up until last year, it found itself in the playoffs. You know, every single year of its existence. You know, going back to its inception, but you know, people think about this team in, in, in a historical context of just from 2009 on, as someone who grew up in the Pacific Northwest, you you know very well that Seattle Sounders is is an existence and, and kind of a, indicative of a, a tradition and heritage of soccer that goes back to the late 60s, early 70s. Yep. And, and Brian Schmetzer actually is a part of that, you know, going back to his playing days in the 80s and the NASL and, you know, whatever league you want to an acronym to he was a part of and, and worked his way through it i love it you know much like we see in, in ncaa march madness when a lot of these coaches are given chances to work their way through the ranks and learn their craft they're not flash panache appointments these are guys that have the credentials they've earned their chops they've they've earned the street cred and they're rewarded for it and the in his case it's deserved as you mentioned the fastest to reach 100 victories um you know, more power to them. They, they are the Hallmark franchise, and they do, in my book, they are the blueprint for what teams need to do in the modern era of MLS, much like our team, the Galaxy, used to be 
Right. You know, in the, in the old days that you were speaking of. Yeah, yeah, you can sort of see it. Uh, real quick on the lineups, uh, Dayon Jovalich got the start up top. It was Tyler Boyd on the left, Ricky Pouge, Mark Delgado, and of course Gaston Brugman in the center. Memo Rodriguez playing that inverted right wing and very inverted whatever Memo plays it. Uh, more <laughs> more tucked inside than anything. Delgado usually slips out further wide and, and Memo time, tends to slip in a little bit. Uh, left on the left side, uh, Raheem Edwards on defense, Jalen Neal, Martin Casares, and then of course Caligari. Um, is in there as well with Jonathan Klinsman. Now, the big deal about Jonathan Klinsman was we had and and uh, let's 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 have a little fun with this one. <laughs> uh, Alex Ruiz uh, for the striker, and of course you know I'm Alex's biggest fan. Uh, Alex had tweeted out that he had information from a source that basically said that Jonathan Klinsman has broken his finger, um, and so there was a signing, and we're going to talk about that signing later in the show. So. Uh, hold on there, but there was a signing of another goalkeeper coming in. It was kind of almost assumed that there was going to be a question mark of whether or not Jonathan Klinsman was going to be able to play in this game. Um, I'll tell you that I went to the stadium um, and and was not maybe chastised, chided a little bit for following that narrative without sort of, you know, d- dissecting it and breaking into it uh, that, you know, Jonathan Klinsman might not be playing and that's why they got another goalkeeper and all this other stuff. So, um, you know, there was there was a, there was some some questioning. And I said, you know, basically on the day that that broke, I was very busy at work. Remember, I have a real job. Uh, I was very busy at work. So <laughs> if Alex says that, I'm going to trust Alex, the whole deal. Um, so basically, Klinsman ends up getting a start. We didn't really get a chance to ask Greg Vanny about Klinsman because he started. He seemed fine. But uh, Jonathan Klinsman today tweeted out um, that this past week or he, this was on Instagram. He says this past week has been a roller coaster of emotions. Broke my finger in the Portland game and got cleared to play the day before our Seattle game. Super happy I was able to play, and I'm grateful for every chance I get. Looking forward to our next game in Houston. So the bottom line is Alex was indeed correct, and the LA Galaxy were probably wondering Mm. who their starting goalkeeper was going to be uh, on the weekend. And so certainly uh, going out and signing a third goalkeeper may have been in reaction to that news. We don't know that for sure. Haven't been able to talk to Greg about it, and I think media availability is probably going to be on Wednesday. Um, so Wednesday or Thursday. Um, so knowing that, uh, I'll say one, Alex got it right. Um, and two, uh, you know, that's a really interesting thing that's sort of happening here. You have a starting goalkeeper that's playing with a broken finger. By the way, props to Jonathan Klinsman for going out there as yeah. a goalkeeper and playing with a broken digit. Absolutely. And showing the athleticism and desire. I mean, a guy who's, we talked to, you guys talked about with Alex and you talked about in previous podcasts who, you know, is, is uttering four letter words to himself on the drive to Dignity Hill Sports Park because he's saying it, it's just, you know, S blank IT driving to the stadium knowing that he's not going to play and he's not going to sit back and finally waiting after about almost two years to get his a good run out in the first team chance. He's not going to relinquish that lightly. And right. I'll credit to him for, you know, taking the reins and in that situation, it was a pinky finger, I believe, on his left hand. Yeah, was I, think, it? I think it might have uh, been. Yeah, I think that's what it was. And yeah, if you go back and, and watch that Portland game, you can see when it happens because he apparently is grabbing that finger in that hand. So, yeah, and it, it, credit to him. Uh, you know, I mean, it's funny listening to his, his father, Jurgen, talk about him. He's like, ever since he was a young boy, he wanted to play basketball. He wanted to roll around on the ground and, and get dirty and, you know, get around and hustle it. And you can see it in his game. I love the athleticism of him as a keeper. I think he's better with his feet. Mm-hmm. than Jonathan Bond is. Right. Um, and you, you were also mentioning the fact that when we signed the young Serbian keeper, Micevic, um, it also kind of makes you think, hey, maybe this injury to Jonathan Bond is not what it seems. It could be a little bit longer than anticipated. And with that being the case, 
the signing of Aaron Cervantes was an emergency signing. Right. Is that the long-term situation? Probably not. And that might have hastened the Galaxy's decision to make the signing on loan of, of the Serbian to provide a little backup for Jonathan Klinsman, who may be that number one a little bit longer than the couple of weeks, maybe three to four that they anticipated. Who knows? And it, for me, I, I'm a big believer in competition for spots, regardless, and a goalkeeper all the way up to the number nine. And the more, the better. And if you've got quality in there, right. quality begets quality. So... I think that makes that position stronger, whoever is in there. And right now it's Klinsman's job to lose. Yeah, it, it really interesting. If you want my, um, I, I have, I have, let's say, I've talked to some people about Jonathan Bond injury. Um, I'll, I'll just say that right now I feel like it's going to be longer rather than shorter, right? I, it, it, there was mm-hmm. no timetables given, but it, it was one of those where you sort of sit there and say, it feels like the way people are talking, this is not going to be, you know, two to four weeks. But you have to remember, Greg Vanny is usually very, very not not opaque, but he says two to four weeks. But that's two to four weeks until you're able to come back and start training. And then that's usually, you know, a week or two after that, that you're actually able to to be fully in training and ready for games. So um, it, it looks like. For me, I'm saying Jonathan Bond is you sometimes we say sooner rather than later. I'm going to say later rather than sooner um, right now. So so again, you, you know, I think the it's not unfair to speculate that the length of Bond's injury plus the injury to Klinsman makes the LA Galaxy mm-hmm. nervous enough to pull the trigger on the third goalkeeper, even if it is an international. And we'll get into to some of that stuff um, here a little bit. So um uh, somebody was also asking, by the way, Tim gave us a $5 super chat, says, uh, thank you for that, Tim. Appreciate it. Uh, he says, any update on Chicha? Do you think he's playing Saturday? Thanks, Josh. Um, so again, nothing official, and you won't get anything official probably till Tuesday, Wednesday, whenever Greg Vanny talks. Uh, from what we were sort of feeling and indicating is maybe not this weekend, maybe the weekend after. And of course, the weekend after would be the LAFC game at Dignity Hill Sports Park. So that seems like uh, more of a lock that he'll be back for LAFC than possibly uh, Houston, right? So that's 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 where we're at. Um, I wanted to get to the game and, and and focus a little bit. Obviously, you have the two goals um, that are conceded in the first yeah. half, and and you don't like those because if you look back last year, that's that's a lot of the same thing, right? Which is individual mm-hmm. individual moments, Christian, where guys are out of position. And in this particular case, the first goal, Caligari gets caught up the field. Uh, he gets he gets suckered in by 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 Leo Chu, right? He gets pulled into that offensive zone um, and then Chu runs in and back behind him um, and Caligari can't keep up with that. Uh, the other the the compounding factor to that is that, uh, you know, Caceres has stepped up and whether he was stepping up to take away a pass into the center that he thought was coming. But however that happens, he becomes disconnected with Jalen Neal. Greg Vanny said afterwards, Christian, he said, if I'm being hypercritical about Jalen, I need him to step up with with Caceres whenever he goes because yeah. because you want to keep that connectedness. But in Jalen's defense, if I'm playing center back and I am not a good center back, but that's the position I played, I'm looking at the play developing, saying there's about to be two guys on a break running at me. I'm dropping because otherwise there's nothing else to save me. You can take the risk and step up and hope that yeah. Edwards also steps with you at the same time. But I think he felt that pressure coming that direction um, and saw it come from a little bit. And that was, that was, that was one of those. That's, that's how I read it. And I understand Greg being critical on that. And I think Jalen's okay with that as well. Um, but it just, well, it, that's the compounding factors for me. Yeah. And do you know, what's interesting. I'm glad you brought this up, Josh, because this is at the crux of the essence of that position where you have to be, Intelligent enough, experienced enough, 
and in connection with your defender, your, your partner, to make those decisions, when to step, when to drop. And the default mechanism is exactly as you said and exactly as Jalen should have done. He dropped. Now, Cáceres was stepping forward to play the trap and trying to play him offside, but those two end up just a split second of moment of disconnectedness um, and, and Jalen's left, you know, hung out to dry because Caligari has gone out. And, you know, all credit to Nicholas Lodero, who actually was the man who started this. He lured Caligari in, into possession, got him out of position, and allowed Chu to release and get him behind Caligari. It was a real astute play from the Uruguayan. But in terms of the reaction, yeah, it's, it's unfortunate. And it, I think it's part of a growing pain of a young center back. I don't think you can fault Jalen Neal on this goal whatsoever. He, he was, you know thrust into a difficult position with a player that has an edge and pace running at him in a diagonal angle. Um, and when Casares out of position, he was the lone cover. And, you know, once that is recognized, he has to commit to that and just couldn't get there in time. Um, and, but those little moments of decision-making are yeah. the difference between games. Yeah. And, and, and we saw it in our game and that moment where Casares and, and Neil are disconnected and that's where I take issue where people are saying, you know, you want to bring other people in to play them, to get experience at that position. I totally disagree because what you need is an understanding that only comes from playing together. And Jalen Neal and Martin Casares need to spend as much time on that field together. They need to know each other inside out. They need to be able to count the amount of hairs on each other's head. They need to have that understanding almost innately to have that pattern of play to understand when to step and be in that, you know, lockstep communication right. and uh, in the same motions to, to do that. And that's the key to any success in defensive partnership. I think it's fantastic. I think what's, it's come along. Yes, there was a moment of weakness and, you know, the right back, Caligari, didn't do them any favors. And, you know, it, you call it, I call it a systemic breakdown of the, of the back four entirely in a moment of transition. But, you know, you can't fault Jalen Neal for that goal whatsoever. Yeah, I, I understand sort of what you mean with that. Um, really uh, unfortunate. The second one as well, this is the one Greg Vanny says is not really a chance, uh, and you kind of understand it. This is this is a very slow-developing play that comes as a result of a, a collision or at least a coming together of feet uh, between Leo Chu and Caligari. I, I watched this, and I looked back at it, and I said, huh, let me take a look at this and see if there's something there that we really need to investigate in terms of pool reporting, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not there was a foul. And I watched that play three or four times and there's zero yeah. chance I can sit there and say, oh yeah, there's a problem. Yeah. There was, there's no problem there. Uh, that was coming together and Caligari may have even instigated the, the contact, right? So I'm like, okay, that's fine. Leave that one. The shot though is interesting. Does Klinsman see it? Does he not see it? Because he lays out for it and it's a, it's a far shot. It's 20, 25 yards out. He's got to do, got to do better. Uh, and for me, he's got to do better. It's just, and he caught, he was caught leaning as a commentator mentioned, and he just lost his balance. But, you know, you can't be beaten like that period. I, my, my estimation it, and, and a keeper of Jonathan Klinsman's athletic ability should be able to get to that. And he'll be disappointed. You saw it in his reaction, didn't you? Yeah. Right after it went yep. in, he knew he, I thought, I mean, I did, I thought he knew he should have had that and it's unfortunate, but it's just it, it's too Moments like that, and that's, that the margins are so fine in this game, um, and that allowed you know Seattle to, to even you know sit back and bed in a little bit more after getting those two goals. I, I will say this: um, you look at uh, how the Galaxy react in the second half, and Greg Vanny pulling strings, doing yeah. some things. The three-five-two comes in. Preston Judd comes in. Um, I've been really impressed with Preston Judd in terms of his ability mm -hmm. to immediately impact games. 
Um, yeah, th- that's a big thing because I think that. Uh, I think there should be some criticism uh, leveled at Jovalich. I, I saw it and I see it in the Discord. I see it on Twitter. They're saying, well, you know, Jovalich isn't getting the service. And I agree up to a certain point. And that point actually is a lot you know, further down than than it should have been maybe earlier in the season where I really felt he wasn't getting service. He's not creating the space for people to find him for service. Uh, he's not making those runs in behind. He's not stretching or causing problems for the defense. Um, and because of that, even when he does get the ball, um, they're easily able to stay with him. The The big thing and, and my my big disappointment with him was I thought that he finally got off a shoulder and finally got some space. This was in the first half. Ricky Push played a ball up and over the top to him. Um, and it's a ball that if it's played to Chicha, Chicha finds a way to bring that down and get a shot on goal, right? Mm-hmm. It was one of those because yep. he had he led them into space. They had a step. That's where you want to see it. And Jovalich had it, you know, skid off the top of his foot. Is that an easy play? No. But if you're a striker, you have to, in those positions, be able to get the ball and get a shot on goal. And for me, Jovalich had some chances, a lot of block shots. I mean, that's the history. For uh, At one point, Damian Calhoun yelled over to me, Christian, and he goes, are there 22 sounders out on the field? Because every time the Galaxy would take <laughs> a shot, it was blocked, and the Galaxy ended up with 11 block shots on the night. Um, usually indicates to me, whenever you get a block shot, is uh, one of two things. One, either low block, which, yes, Seattle sort of had that going for him, or two, that you're you're forcing some shots because you're not getting clean shots. And you don't always have to get clean shots, um, but you want to sometimes find those spaces and actually be able to get a shot on goal. Somebody was criticizing as well, Christian, they're saying, you know, the Galaxy shoot a lot at the goalkeeper. Again, indicative for me that you're not taking clean shots, that you're not getting good looks at the goal. You're shooting into windows that are already covered by the goalkeeper um, because in order to get the ball past the defense, um, those are your only lanes to sort of do it. So um, I, I'm, I think there's going to be a lot of criticism sort of put on uh, Dayon Jovalich, and it's going to increase, especially with Greg Vanny's comments afterwards. And the, and the Greg Vanny comments afterwards were sort of like, He's happy in that 3-5-2 whenever it's Judd and Jovalich because he says Judd is a different type of player than what uh-huh. Jovalich is, right? And this is what we've always been talking about, Christian, whenever it comes to Chicharito and Jovalich. Well, if I'm reading between the lines and Vanny likes the 3-5-2 in this situation, then if they need to go to a 3-5-2 in a game with Chicharito playing, does he put Jovalich in or is he going to put Judd in? Because the way he spoke, it seemed like Judd might be that guy. It might be, but also the, the the situation being as such with those two goals, you know, kind of it made the the decision to go three at the back pretty much easy for for Greg Vanny to go with those two strikers because he really didn't have a choice, you know, and to go for broke. And at the point, I thought they looked great, and he, he, he hit the nail on the head with Preston Judd uh, again, like we were talking with Jalen Neal, watching him in his youthful days with LA Galaxy too. This is a guy that's going to run channels, he's going to hold up plays, he's going to mix it up. He's the chance for me, the goal is coming. He's been tremendously unlucky. And I thought the the way that he and Jovalich were able to play off of each other yes. was really great. And it kind of speaks to the strength that that's what Jovalich likes to play off of. They both look very comfortable with each other. As far as the argument goes where Jovalich wasn't getting the chances, 100% in the first two games. His last two appearances, he's had more than ample opportunity. His chances have not been taken for whatever reason. The yeah. bottom line, he has not taken him. And, you know, the fault lies with the striker. You're gonna if you're a striker in this game, you're gonna get two, you're lucky to get three right. chances like that. And he, they have been quality looks for him. Um, and a credit to Greg Vanny for making those tactical changes. I thought he did a masterful job in terms of managing the tactics of this game and the way it was dictated to him. Um 
and the fact that he did go with two up top because we know that's not his strong suit. Right. Uh, interesting. What really was interesting to me in looking back on this was the way that Tyler Boyd was um, – they're almost playing with two strikers from the get-go, and Tyler Boyd was more of a central role, tucking in just behind Jobelich. And you could see what the point of emphasis was, hey, let's get someone to play off of Dejan Jobelich. Let's see – what we can conjure up, whether it's Jovalich, whether it's a Tyler Boyd, and we saw a variety of half chances that you know were not very well taken, and, and perhaps a little bit of impatience from the Galaxy. But the opportunities were there, and and when you saw those two strikers working in conjunction and playing off of each other, and those little flicks and the movements, which suits a player like Daniel Jovalich, I thought that it, it was great. It was great in terms of when it was with Boyd, it was different. In the second half, when it was Judd, who likes to run the channels. Yep. You know, mix it up, and he provides great hold-up presence. Um, just, just an interesting dynamic. Uh, two similar things happening in very different ways. Uh, the ball didn't fall for the Galaxy, but the, the Galaxy had their chances, and you, you can't really ask for anything more than that. Yeah, the chances have to be taken, and they just were not. I thought they won the the game between the boxes, Josh. It's just in the box they lost the game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's in the box. They lost the game. Absolutely, 100%. Uh, Patrick, by the way, gave us a $10 super chat. Uh, COG, Josh, Christian holding things together. Thank you for that, Patrick. Appreciate it. Um, all you people who are cl- cl- acting like the Galaxy never play in a 3-5-2 with a 2-forward setup obviously don't look at average positions <laughs> a lot. Um, it was mm. funny. We had this discussion in the Discord a little bit, which was the Galaxy play with three in the back all the time because the Galaxy hold possession. The Galaxy attack mm sort of let's say methodically and call it methodically instead of just slow uh sometimes they're methodical mm-hmm. in the buildup they push their outside backs forward that gets those guys into that offensive zone then you get guys like memo rodriguez or you get guys like tyler boyd who cut in invert and they press up into those spots and you look at you know especially in in this formation i'm looking at average positions you're 100 right tyler boyd right through the middle um, underneath Dayon Jovalich. You had Memo Rodriguez playing off the right-hand side. It's almost like they had mm-hmm. three forwards up there um, with the, with how far advanced Caligari was um, on the right-hand side. And again, got him in trouble, but also he fed in a lot of really good balls. Um, so mm-hmm. going to a more defined 3-5-2 with two actual strikers is certainly something that we have seen Vanny implement last year. Um, we've seen him implement at, at different times throughout sort of his tenure as a head coach, going to it as early as he did with, quote-unquote, the defined strikers, right? The, you're, with Preston Judd yeah. and Dayon Jovalich, you know you have two strikers <clears throat> there. It's not a it's not a midfielder playing a different role, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting, I mean, also, too, what I really didn't – it's it's almost like a plus with a minus because what I didn't like with the setup is I thought that Ricky Pouge looked very lost mm-hmm. in the setup with, with Boyd reverting centrally. And it almost looked and seemed as if it, it eliminated the link of Pouge's ability to, to link to the front with Tyler Boyd drifting centrally and allow Pouge to be you – know, he was drifting deeper. And I thought he was kind of played out of the game, whether that be – uh, the, you know, the, the overloads in midfield, whatever you want to get down to the tactical adjustments. But I mean, Ricky Pooch is not Ricky Pooch in this game. He uh, largely, by his standards, I thought he was absent. And it was a different look than what we saw for the Galaxy. Now, yes, everyone's right. The Galaxy, every team changes shape. Right. When you're in possession and when you're out of possession, most teams drop into a three in the modern day. Possession teams drop into a three in the back. And then, you know, you drop into a four, you, you drop your number six into the center and, and you fill out that four, or that three. Um, 
but yeah, shapes shapes changes based upon position and based upon possession and where you're at. But there was a significant difference in in the setup this time out, both in the from the get go as well as from uh, Preston Judd's introduction, which was something that we haven't seen this season for me. Um, I liked what I saw. Um, I, I think the Galaxy have been the better team in the last two games, Josh. Yeah, I they have been. really have to say that. Um, it, it hasn't been anything to write home about, and I'm not singing their praises from the rooftops and saying, you know, they're the best thing since sliced bread, blah, blah, blah. But same point, you know, and the, on the balance of these 180 minutes in the last two weeks, they've been the better team. Now, yes, in those critical moments, when those significant moments in the box and in transition, whatever, those key moments, they have not been the better team, and it's shown, and that's where the result kind of yields the truth. Um, but yeah, it, it's an interesting setup here uh, that is eliminated Efrain Alvarez from yeah. first team yes. selection and contention. Yes. Um, I think the Galaxy, no slight on Efrain, but they look better. They look more fluid. When we look at the Galaxy, Josh, we look at this team with with a philosophy and the framework that when you were talking to Alex Ruiz and he mentioned this, Greg Vanny is hell-bent on his inverted wingers. Right. Where he puts an off foot on the outside side. And it, and it, it creates better angles. We see it on corner kicks as well. Um, and it's revealed itself, and, and, and it has revealed chances. I just don't think it, it's come together in terms of it in the box. But you've mentioned it with Panda. You've mentioned it with Hammer and Alex. That It's a work in progress, and you, I think really where you're going to judge this team is probably around after the MLA, or the, what is it, the League's Cup is back, about three or four games after that. That's when we're going to start to really lower the boom and assess – and find out the quality and truth of this team. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because you're, yeah, you know, the the bottom line is I still expect at least one, uh, one more piece probably to be added here, and that's on mm-hmm. top of the goalkeeper. And you know, I think we're all thinking and guessing that it's going to be a winger, right? And we we don't know that mm-hmm. to be the case, but I mean, that's sort. It, it keeps sort of coming to that. I thought it was interesting. Tyler Boyd created a whole bunch of chances. Um, Tyler Boyd was one of those guys who was, who was sort of more dynamic in this, uh, F Ryan Alvarez going to the bench is a huge deal. Um, just because, uh, for so often, um, you know, we see, we see, uh, you know, uh, you, you see Greg Vanny going to him and, and when they need a goal, right? F Ryan Alvarez, they're like, Hey, you need, you, we need a goal. Let's get F Ryan on there. He was not there. Uh, instead, Johnny Perez comes in, um, Douglas Costa came oh. off the bench. Um, I know Johnny Perez, Greg said he was tentative and he wanted them to play a little more, but he understands that why he was tentative um, and, and sort of going through that. So um, again, you you sort of have to balance these things. The other part about this is Douglas Costa, you know, Mm. if the galaxy are going to be good, they need Douglas Costa to play games. Um, And, Mm -hmm. and that's a go same as goes for Chicharito, by the way. Um, They need Mm -hmm. both of those guys to play. Douglas Costa looked for about mm, one, the two plays like a very dynamic sort of player. Uh, and it's sort of, you're, you're sitting there going, okay, if he's in able to play longer, if he's able to be in this game longer, he probably has more of an effect on it because you could see him dragging players. You could see him creating chances. You could see him opening space, even against a bunkered Seattle side. Right. <laughs> so, but I, I'm just not willing ready or tr- ready to trust that he will be available and can be that guy. Um, he's got to prove it. So it was nice to see him back. Now you need to see him play more significant minutes against Houston and, and actually really make a difference here. Yeah, it's he's a similar player in profile, and I'm not in no ways comparing the quality of Efrain Alvarez and Douglas Costa, but you know, predominantly left-footed, 
inverted on the right hand side, know what they're going to do, revert and change the angle. And, and you know, Douglas Costa is a different class than Efrain Alvarez. So, but the point is, Douglas Costa, though, has, has not been the Douglas Costa that the Galaxy bought. And let's just be honest, he hasn't come to fruition. And that's the reality of the situation as to why it is. We can sit here and talk about this, but the point being, you, as, as the manager and as a team, that's the quality of the player that you've got to, to, to play with. And I think they've utilized him. They utilized him in the correct fashion. And, and he, yeah, he, he has those moments, of, those glimpses and those moments. I don't think he, he it's, it's hard to put this into words. I don't think Douglas Costa really kind of flows into, it creates a symmetry or it creates the flow and continues the movements forward that the galaxy are looking for on the front foot sometimes, but he does bring an element because of his sheer quality and his abilities. And um, it's, it's frustrating at times. I'm, I'm, you know, I, this close to calling him the bust. I'm going to be straight up honest with you. Yeah, I understand Uh, the galaxy. Yeah. I mean, you got to call it what it is. I mean, he hasn't been what he wants. They thought he was, he, this is not the Douglas Costa that we saw, you know, ripping up on the on the wings for Bayern Munich and Juventus. This is the Douglas Costa that was, you know, deemed surplus to requirements for second division Gremio. Right. So <laughs> this is the deal. But um, it, it, it did bring an element of quality. In, and there is quality there. How do you get the most of that? Um, it is an upgrade on, on the option of bringing in Efrain Alvarez, in my estimation, for me. Right. Um, and I, I thought we saw that in glimpses. Uh, and, and it. Also from set pieces, he brings an element. I think the Galaxy, in, in terms of set pieces too, for me, uh, a team that is not dangerous enough on set pieces and they don't defend them well enough. Uh, uh, there seems to be almost a, redis- a reticence of attacking the ball on set pieces, um, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I'm, and, and I'm not doing this to be vindictive or pick the team apart. I just something I've noticed that the, uh, the first to win headers, the Galaxy have been let off the hook on set pieces defensively. Let me tell you. A lot this season, yeah. Because score lines could have been a heck of a lot worse. Where we're seeing opposing center backs win headers inside the penalty area, which is a no-no, and uh, and and also on the other side, we're not attacking him in in the fashion that they should be. But uh, yeah, it's 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 so odd. And, and I look at Tyler Boyd, and he's a player. I love his confidence. I love the way he takes players on. I like the width he provides, and I just get that feeling. There's one more piece in the jigsaw that he needs to take where he's going to be a tremendously influential player. Waiting for it. Waiting for it. I think everybody is. Um, And and so that's interesting. Now, now obviously it'll come down. And if you watch the press conference, which is up on our YouTube page, uh, (laughs) you saw Greg Vanny a little animated about this. Uh, Here's, here's what I'll say. There's a handball. Uh, There's a handball in the late stages of that game. And um, when I saw it first, and you have to understand during a game, it's really hard for us to watch replays, even in the press uh, booth because yeah. you sort of have to stop watching the game in order to go watch the replay and then you don't know when they're going to show the replay because then there's still game going on and a whole bunch of stuff so that's there, there's something there I didn't get a good look at it until probably after I got back from the game and actually saw some replays on Twitter mm-hmm. and, and some other things um, because I was like you know that's borderline just sort of the way I saw it I was like it's borderline the guy's hands are behind his back what more do you want to do and then whenever I finally got to look at it and after hearing Greg Vanny complain about it right um, and, and by the way, I think rightfully so he wants to make the argument that basically the galaxy should have seven more points than they do. 
I don't know that he's crazy, except that the Galaxy would have to convert penalty kicks in order for that to happen, even if they were given. And we know sometimes they right. had trouble doing that, right? Um, mm-hmm. But having said that, this is a handball. And there's lots of people who are making excuses for defenders, like defenders don't know about silhouettes and things like that. Here's my here's my non-professional opinion on this, and I think Greg Vanny said it best, and as a defender, you know this, is that you have a silhouette, right? And I'm going to be the first to tell you that sometimes defenders get penalized for completely natural hand positions, uh, including your hands out away from your body, because that's how you keep your balance when you're running and trying to shift directions and do a whole bunch of things. But it would be really hard to, to adjudicate that if you didn't make and draw a line somewhere. Um, yeah. So, so you know, th- those type of things. But here's the thing is, just because you put your hands behind your back doesn't mean that you can't be guilty of a handball. And I think everybody right. suddenly assumes, well, that's what they tell defenders to do. No, what they tell defenders is to put your arms to your side so that way you're not increasing your silhouette. If you have a normal silhouette of you standing with your arms sort of at your side in a relaxed position, anything that goes outside that silhouette, regardless of if your hands are behind you or not, is likely to be a handball. And in this particular case, you have a chicken wing. All right. Nuhu could have very easily put his hands lower on his back, Christian, which would have made his silhouette conform with basically that that inline silhouette. Right. And that's what they're asking players to do whenever they put their hands behind their back is to make that silhouette slim and to get your hands out of the way. Right. And it's the difference between putting your hands basically at your belt on your back and then moving your hands up into the center of your back and watching how you all of a sudden grow wings. Um, and that's what knew who did. He grew, <laughs> he grew wings, Christian. He grew wings in order to make himself bigger. Did he do it on purpose? I don't think so. Um, you know, that type of thing. That's not the point. That's not the point is that he makes his body bigger and he seems to move yeah. towards it. Some people are saying, well, he was trying to stop the ball with his foot. That's fine. Don't care. Can't make your body bigger in order to stop it. things. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Did yeah. he make himself bigger? Regardless of his intention, regardless of the affair, uh, the, the proximity, you have to look. And, and, and fairness doesn't doesn't is not read into this. Yeah. This right. is an interpretation of the law of the game as it is written. Does he make himself bigger? Well, in my estimation, he did. Yep. I know it caused quite a stir on social media. I, uh, <laughs> I feel like I put Alka Seltzer into the, the you know the, the Chicklets crockpot where everything exploded. <laughs> into sulfuric acid craziness, but <laughs> look at the daylight between the inside elbow joint and his torso. Yeah. That is not in line with the silhouette. No. And that's why I, I empathize with Greg Vanny and I sympathize with him because he's absolutely 100% spot on. That is a handball yeah. every day of the week. Yeah. And, and this is about the game. And this goes on top not, of this is this is on top of others right now. He's right. going to call the Yovelich one, which was called a handball. And I said this whenever I saw it. How does a referee call a handball from 20 yards away? There's still people right. arguing, by the way, people will show that video and they'll be like, well, it hit his bicep. And I'm like, you yeah. are that camera angle is in a much better position than the referee was. And it's still behind him. There's zero chance, you know, whether or not it hit his bicep or not. It very easily could have come off his chest. Right. And the ball. Yeah. And to your point, he should not have made that call being in that position in that first place in that particular instance. Let it go to VAR and let them adjudicate from there. Yeah, I'll I'll say this. So that's the argument for that one, which is don't blow the whistle because you have no idea whether or not that's a handball. Chapman got that right. I will say that 100 Mm percent. He did not blow the whistle and he did not call for a handball. I don't know that he's in a position to see the wing stick out. 
uh-huh. right? But VAR needs to come in there. Now, there's going to be people, people argue that say, well, it's so subjective about whether or not there's a chicken wing or not, which, by the way, I looked at it for two seconds after I finally got a good look at it. I'm like, oh, yeah, handball. Um, yeah. You know, that one. Absolutely. So for me, VAR blew this call. That's not Chapman's fault. Chapman Chapman doesn't 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 have to in my opinion Chapman shouldn't blow that whistle not in that situation let's wait because I don't think he's in a position to see the wing uh, sort of stick out there so then you go into the other handball now remember there's three Greg Vanny mentioned three and I know which one he's talking about there was one in the Portland game Uh, this one is a cross coming in from the left hand side the Portland defender basically has it hit his hand as he's going by that one is more subjective to me only because I felt like the arm is in a pretty natural position whenever it goes, except that it kind of the ball at least drags the arm away from the body a little bit. And that it's like that one's more borderline. That's the most borderline call of them. And that one probably hit the hand the hardest out of all of them. And that's the borderline call um, for me. The other ones are pretty clear and obvious. So Vanny says, I'm going to get fined. Right. And Mm -hmm. he knew, he knew what he was doing. Listen, there's two things that are happening here. All right. One is, he wants to tell Pro and MLS that they're they're screwing with him, right? And so we know that. We know that that's one of the main things. And he knows he's getting fined going into it. So he's not going to be shocked and surprised whenever the notice comes in and the disciplinary committee is going to be like, you owe us money, right? That type of thing. Not a surprise. Uh-huh. The other thing he's doing is he's telling his guys he's got their back. He even says, I'm right. fighting for my guys. Players aren't allowed really to do this as much as coaches are. Um, coaches are in a position of safety knowing that they can sort of go and, and yell at the referees from this. I, <laughs> it's really interesting to me, Christian. I've never heard anybody take shots at the fourth official as well, but Vanny went in at the fourth official in this press conference as well. And cause, uh, Damien asked, um, at right after that, he goes, did the fourth official tell you anything about it? And he goes, no, the fourth official, he goes, I don't even think I saw that guy all night. I think he was sitting on the Seattle Sounders bench. <laughs> right. And I was cracking up. I'm like, dude, this is. <laughs> This is great, but people are saying that the pressure is getting to Greg Vanny, and that's why he's doing this. Nah. This is Greg Vanny, and I know he's been on his best behavior for the first two years, but this dude is a fired-up competitor. He screams. He yells. I'm pretty sure he cusses, right? Like, there's all this stuff that goes on. You've heard sort of the some of the behind-the-scenes where he gets all fired up in a positive way, but they probably don't show you him getting fired up in a negative way. If you were at the game, Christian you would be able to hear Greg Vanny yelling and screaming at Raheem Edwards for most of the night. I was, I could hear it in the stadium one because uh, with no supporters groups there, the, the plays that are in between anything exciting, the in between time is very quiet. You can hear almost anything you want to hear on the field, whenever it comes and you could hear Vanny screaming at Raheem Edwards. Uh, I, I think Raheem was praying to God that halftime came so he could go on the other side of the field. Um, so yeah, yeah, it's you know it's, it's a really just I I love what he has done because one I think it's whether it's intended or not it's a great piece of man management right because he has galvanized belief with his boys hey I'm here I am advocating for you too it's also hey is it a piece of deflection where we take away from our team's shortcomings and we cast the focus on these handballs which justifiably so he is absolutely correct in assessing and whether you want to, I don't, I don't know if you can translate that into sheer amount of points, whatever, right, but right. point being, yes, he is absolutely correct to bring those into question into light and it, it eliminates some of the pressure for the team shortcomings to be in these situations in the first place, because you can't sit here at, 
you know, in contrast to what he's saying, you can't sit there and say the team is in this situation solely because of those decisions, yeah. because that's not the case. Because quite simply, you know, you and I, we, we, we've seen what the Galaxy put out there, and it's, it's not good enough right now. It's okay that it's not good enough. That's where it is. Yeah. But to yeah. put that down as an excuse for where they are right now, no, that's incorrect. But he is completely correct in what he's saying. I love what he's doing because any manager worth his salt, and Greg Vanny knows this as a player, and you see this a lot from managers that were players. The man management aspect of this game is something that is really difficult. Kevin talks about it in terms of the, the mental sign of the game. Right. And this is it right here, whether it was intended or not. Right now, he has got every single one of those players behind him. And to have that is absolutely you know, cash in the bank. And it's great for him. And he is advocating because that's what a player wants. They want him to believe, regardless of your form and how terrible you're playing or how great you're playing. And I'm not trying to deflect or sugarcoat anything and excuse it. And he has every right to be angry about this. But the point is that it is a justifiable point, justifiable point but also... It, don't let it serve as a smokescreen as to what the Galaxy need to, to focus on because there are plenty of issues that this team has at this point right now that need to be dealt with. Um, and it's not handballs are not at the top of that list. Yeah, I'll, I will say this, that uh, everybody will make a big deal about the Greg Vanny flying off the handle. And by the way, great, great demonstrations in the press room. We never get like live action demonstrations. In the press room. <laughs> the Greg, hands on the hips. Yeah, hands, on, hands, the hands hips. on the hips. He had the hands on the hips. He put his hands down to his side. He's this is a handball. This is not a handball. This is the silhouette. I'm like, wow, this is very educational for me right now. Um, Wait, but, Josh, just, can, we, can we talk about this handball, though? Yeah. To me, I, I really, I, you know, I've taken a lot of, a lot of hate, a lot of heat on, on social media for this. If you look at this handball, and even, even Sophie and I were, were debating this, and she says it's not, and I say it is, and I love Sophie to death. I'm, I'm her biggest fan. We, we stand at odds on this, but how you can look at that and say he did not intentionally make himself bigger to me is beyond me. Yeah. It's beyond me because the very definition of the silhouette, and that is what, Greg Vanny is absolutely correct with in his assessment. I agree with. Right. Maybe I'm seeing it wrong. Right. As I interpret the law, there is a, and you hit it on the head. There's a massive difference between putting your arms behind your back. That does not absolve you from any ball. No. Making contact with your body. It is not mutually exclusive to have your hands behind your back, making yourself absolutely guilt free of a handball. You can still be guilty of a handball with your hands behind your back. You can still make yourself bigger with your hands behind your back. It is absolutely physically possible. Yes. So the nonsense I, I feel it's being peddled by these people are saying, oh, it's ball to hand. Ball to hand has nothing to do with it. Intention no. has nothing to do with it. Was the ball obstructed by the action of the player? Yeah. That's the criteria. For me, the answer, clearly yes. Yeah. Uh, the only other thing um, that I'll add, I'm going to go in. I'm going to let you go here in a second, but I will. I want to talk about poor reporter questions and why there wasn't one asked about this. And I'll tell you what MLS is doing that I think they're doing on purpose, uh, which is basically limiting poll reporter questions. We'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. The only other thing I want to talk about is people are going to tell you that the L.A. Galaxy didn't have any offense on the night, right? Like there was no offense. There was no finishing. There was, there was no finishing on the night. There were 28 shots, 11 blocked, eight on target. The LA Galaxy had an expected goals. And usually 
Christian. Usually, oh. whenever we talk about XG, I will sit here and tell you the LA Galaxy really like to chip away at XG. They're like, here's a little one, here's a little one, here's a little one. Not in this case. 2.5 was total XG on the team. There are three significant chances that add to that XG. There's Pooj in the 26th minute, there's Judd in the 53rd, and Jovalich in the 57th. All of those were some of the bigger chances that they've had, not to mention Jalen Neal's goal um, on the night as well. So this is not the same as some of those other games. Yes, they had some. Whenever you have 28 shots on goal, clearly you're not getting everything through. When you have 11 block shots, you're not getting everything through. Um, you're doing that, but there's still eight shots on goal. Some of those too easy to save. Some of those very good saves. I know lots of people talk about Judd um, not finishing against Fry on that on that near post, and he actually apologized to Greg Vanny afterwards. It was funny. Greg told us that, and I asked Judd about it as well. He's like, it's my job to score goals. I need to score goals the whole deal. Yeah. He can say that. If you go watch the replay, watch how quickly Fry shuts that down. That would have been a very difficult goal to score there. Very difficult. Tip of the hat is Tip of Fry. Yeah. By the way, I mean, none of the commentators noticed he was brilliant on that night. He was fantastic. That was a world class. He made great saves. He stood on his head for this game. And to anybody, whoever these pool reporters are saying that the chances weren't there, watch the game. The chances were there. Look at the first, that first 25 minutes against the Portland Timbers. Arguably the best passage of play the Galaxy have had the entire season. Yep. Four first half opportunities. Preston Judd, unlucky, yep. hits the post. That's just in the first half of the Portland game. Yep. 80 minutes of this game against the Seattle Sounders, they were better. Now, regardless of the fact of why they were better, that's you know another situation where, yeah, Seattle invited the pressure. They were up two goals. You know, they were on the road. They invited the pressure and you know obviously bunkered in and rode out the result. And, you yep. know quite frankly, very, very lucky to get away with a full share of the points. But for anybody to sit there and tell me and look me in the face and tell me the Galaxy did not have their chances, needs to go back, rewind to the beginning of that Portland game, go back to the Sporting Kansas City game and tell me that there were not chances there because there have been plenty of chances. The stats will back it up. I'm not an XG guy. I'm not a stat guy. The eyeball test bears the, the truth of this. There is absolutely no truth in the fact that the Galaxy – have not had chances. They have had chances. Right. They come in different fashion. They come in different ways where Ricky Pooj was the main conjurer earlier. And it was mainly Tyler Boyd in the first half. The combination of Judd and Jovalich in the second half yep. against Seattle. They were the culprits. There's no way in hell you're going to convince me that the, the Galaxy did not have their chances. They had their chances. They didn't take them. That's the reality of the situation. Christian, you're awesome. I said, I said, let's talk for 30 minutes. And here you are talking for, well, let's see, let's, my timer says 52 minutes. So, so, so you're amazing. <laughs> I should release you back to your wife and your family. Uh, I hope you have fun. Uh, she doesn't there. want you to. She doesn't want yeah, you she, to. Yeah, she's like, she's like, no, nah, no, nah, he's good. You can keep him. Um, but, but no, I really appreciate it. Where, to tell people where they can find you and, uh, and what you're up to right now. At Sea Mile Sports and just kind of moonlighting, catch my little segment called This Week. In the LA Galaxy, where I just kind of blather on and give you my thoughts, totally independent source, um, and really thankful for letting you uh, for you having me on, Josh. I, I love, I love, I'm a huge fan, huge fan of you, huge fan of the podcast in itself, huge fan of Executive Herb and all the great people <laughs> in this Galaxy community. Awesome, buddy. Hey, we appreciate it, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you real soon. So, so go off, have fun, uh, enjoy the family. We'll talk to you soon. All right.
Cheers, Josh. All right, there he goes, Mr. Christian Miles. Uh, I love Christian, by the way, in case you couldn't tell. Um, by the way, uh, a $20 super chat from Scott. Uh, here's some money for the internet fund. Yes, the internet dropped away again. D- is it, It's a circuit issue. Uh, it's congested, and that's why. And so we're trying to figure that out and how to get away from that circuit and try to find a better stream. I don't know how that's going to happen. It's like somebody moved into the neighborhood and started sucking up all the bandwidth besides me. Um, in Living Color, abroad, uh, $2 super chat. Why does Vanny always make excuses? Everybody drink. You're not allowed to say the word excuses in here anymore. Um, I just want you to listen to what people talk about. All right. Listen to what people talk about. Stop worrying about whether it's an excuse or not, because Greg Vanny also goes in and talks about all the other failings of the of the galaxy in his press conference. Um, and I asked him whether or not this team even feels like, does it feel like a winless in five games? He's like, yeah, of course it does. Because we haven't won a game. There you go. All right. So so he sees it. He feels it too. But you're not allowed to use excuses anymore. I don't, I don't like that word because too many people use it as a crutch. Uh, let me tell you about pull reporter questions. So realistically, we should ask the pull reporter question on that, on that handball or the non-handball at the end. Uh, and that's my fault. I was the only pull reporter in the building at the time too. So it was, it was up to me to, to be the pull reporter. Here's what MLS did during COVID. Uh, they actually let us submit pull reporter questions via email. And we would email the club PR people and then the club PR people would email pro and then pro would email the referee. And you're like, Oh, that sounds really complicated and all that stuff. I mean, I was on an email chain with like Howard Webb and stuff like that. It was kind of fun, fun to see that, but it worked really seamlessly and really quick. And you know what the best part of it was is it didn't take time away from me still covering the team. I could give them my email. I could send it off and then I could go about my way of going into the press conference and talking to Greg Vanny and doing all the things that I'm supposed to do whenever I'm there as a reporter. What they have decided to do was take that back. And the original sort of um, idea of the pool reporter is that pool reporters would wait outside the referees or locker room, which I've done multiple times. You wait for the referee to come out, you hand them the question or they get handed the question. They come out and they either want to talk to you and can speak into your microphone or, um, you know, they'll give you a written response to your stuff and then you can ask any follow ups if you need any follow ups. Understand that that means I don't get to go to the press conference, that I don't get to continue doing the job that I need to do. And the email, there was still an ability to ask follow ups. I love the in-person stuff, mostly because some referees you would talk to, you would get to be like, hey, um, okay, well, I said that I I saw that you said that. But what about this? And like you could get in more questions. A lot of those guys want to be open. And so you're able to ask questions. The bottom line is, though, that they are making a pool reporter basically abandon his other duties whenever you're a reporter. And quite honestly, I need to talk to players. I need to talk to Greg. It's one of my only times I really get to do it because I work other times. So it's important for me to do that. Um, Other reporters are on deadline. I'm actually one of the guys who has like the least amount to do whenever I'm there, which is why I'm a pool reporter, because sometimes I can forego that in in the greater good. All right. So this is what I'm going at is that MLS knows this is a more antiquated process by having to go down there. They know it takes more time. And I imagine they saw an increase in pull reporter questions whenever it was easier. All right, because nobody wants to waste their time to go down there and do that. Um, So I failed you on that. Um, knowing that I had other things to do, but MLS is doing this on purpose. Probably so that way they don't get as many pull reporter questions, right? That's a big charge. I think I'm leveling at them, but Anybody sort of in their right mind would understand that the email system worked wonderfully. It was streamlined. It was easy. And if it meant more pull reporter questions than tough cookies, it should have happened. Um, I think we sort of covered everything I wanted to cover in, in the game. I, I like the way the galaxy played in the second half. Uh, 
Um, I like Caligari. I like Boyd on the night. I don't know that I love Boyd coming through the middle, but I do like some of the runs that he made through the middle. Um, I need some more from Dayon Jovalich. Um, and he's got to be able to find it. It's not just a service issue. He's not finding spaces where people can can find him. And when he does, he's not making the plays. Um, and so um, you need more from Jovalich. Uh, in terms of Chicharito, possibly this weekend, um, you could see him. Maybe he gets a couple minutes. Uh, it still feels, and I was talking to, to one of the other reporters, Damian Calhoun. Uh, Damian was sort of saying he still thinks it's a couple weeks away, and Damian is able to be at training uh, whenever I'm not. All right. So that's sort of where we're at. Uh, LA Galaxy winless in five. What does that mean? Well, I think I already told you winless in five means that that is their longest streak since 2021 when they went winless in nine. Uh, this is single season, season stuff, not necessarily anything that carries over for it. Um, so keep that in mind as you look there. Uh, another thing I sort of wanted to point out was that uh, Dayon Jovalich made his 50th appearance for the LA Galaxy in this game, right? So th- again, a significant milestone for him uh, whenever you look at that um, in, in terms of his performance, how that's gone. If we looked at DP minutes, this is going to be the major reason why I think the LA Galaxy are winless right now is that you basically have uh, Javier Hernandez, who has played zero minutes so far this year. You have Douglas Costa, who's played 12, which is 2.7% of the total available minutes so far. Uh, and then you have Ricky Pouge, who's played 100%. So overall, if you combine all of them together, they played 34.2% of the total available minutes, and that needs to be a lot better. If we look at the start in terms of LA Galaxy history, uh, you can see that the trend is definitely on the bottom side of the uh, of the graph. We, we graph every single season in L.A. Galaxy history. It sort of gives us this this point cloud. Um, and so you can sort of see after five games where the L.A. Galaxy are. Um, it looks like there maybe was uh, was one team that was also at five points. And in fact, if we go over. Um, or excuse me, was at three points through this. We can look at one team, the 2020 team, actually had two points in there. 1999 also had two points. So basically, if we cancel out 2020, and we have to, because we have to look at that and say that was the tournament year and everything fun that was going on, right? Uh, If we look at that, we can say, we go all the way back to 1999 is the last time the LA Galaxy had two points from five games. That's during the shootout era as well. So keep that in mind. Um, not a great start for the LA Galaxy. Not that I think you're worried. You should be worried. I think it's just disappointing that they are where they are. I think the Galaxy are playing well enough to be above this three-point sort of marker. Um, so even in 2017, by the way, the wooden spoon year, the LA Galaxy had six points to the first five games. Just saying. Uh, should the LA Galaxy uh, remain winless after going to Houston? Uh, it puts them into a spot where only in 1997 did they have three points. Um through the first six games, all right? So keep that in mind. Again, a away game in Houston is not an easy game uh, to go after. We'll go and look just real quickly at my points per month chart. Uh, as you can see, LA Galaxy winless in March, one loss, three draws, and now winless to start in uh, April. Uh, so a loss to start April with five games coming up this month. So four more games still to play for the LA Galaxy. We've talked about it, and we've told you that the, the next game that sort of comes out for the LA Galaxy is going to be um, that LAFC game at home. So it's Houston, then LAFC. Uh, so a lot to play for, a lot of things uh, that we go for. All right. Um, I'm trying to see some of the other charts I wanted to pull up. If there's anything else that sort of pops out to me. Uh, no, let's call that. Uh, I thought some interesting stuff here because uh, there was a lot of snarky comments coming out here. The most common passing connection this MLS season has been the LA Galaxy's Gaston Bergman to Ricky Pouge. They have 106. While the second most common has been Pouge to Bergman, 96. 
Uh, don't let this be one of those things where people tell you that they're not doing anything with those passes. The way that these two orbit around each other and play with each other um, is simply outstanding. As a matter of fact, Seattle is known as having one of the best midfields in Major League Soccer uh, with Ladero um, and Rusnak um, and some, you know, Roldans and, and, and all those guys that sort of play now Leo Chu in there. Uh, one of the best. The Galaxy's midfield is 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 a better midfield in terms of uh, what they have with uh, with Bush with Brugman and Pouge, right? So, uh, I thought that the Galaxy midfield actually played really well in this game. I didn't think that the, that Seattle had any luck playing down that side. So basically, it was all coming through the wings uh, for most of the night. So this is a good thing, not a bad thing. It doesn't indicate the LA Galaxy are aimless, like a lot of people want to tell you that they are. The Galaxy are deliberate. In their buildups, that's something that is not fun to watch sometimes, uh, but it's indicative of of the style that they're playing. Uh, let's go to some uh, some other news too. Uh, just 21 days remaining in, in the MLS primary transfer window. Excuse me, <clears throat> while I cough while I'm by myself. Um, so just 21 days, uh, basically like 20 days now as we're we're sort of recording on a Monday night, and probably my calendar's flipped over by now. But 20 21 days remaining until that uh, MLS window closes. Uh, that means basically a little less than three weeks the LA Galaxy have uh, to find one more player, maybe two more players. Um, so that's something to sort of watch. We talked about uh, Novak Mitrovic. Uh, that's how I'm going with it right now. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to call it that. Uh, this is, this is a really interesting one. Um, and I, again, I do think that there was at least some concern that the LA Galaxy needed to get a backup goalkeeper who they were interested in, who they think that might have a, his might have a, uh, a future with them in the league. So the first thing that sort of kicked things off, and again, this was on Friday, so we recorded on a Thursday. Of course, fun things happened on Friday. The LA Galaxy announced uh, that they had acquired a 2023 international roster slot. We This one sort of came out of left field at us, um, so we didn't know about that. Now, the good news is 20, uh, 75,000 in 2023, 75,000 in 2024. Remember that they also did that with, uh, with Julian um, Auda, um, who should be possibly coming into camp this week as well. So keep your eyes open for that. But they did this with Alda as well, which was they went and they split the jam between 75000 and 75000 So Galaxy are basically playing $150,000 this year and $150,000 next year for two international slots. The one fifty is absolutely the going rate. They didn't pay too much. All right. And so they went out and they got an international goalkeeper. Why would you do that? One, I'm going to tell you why I think that they were able to do this and why it doesn't hurt them. One is they only paid $150,000 for an international slot. That's not a tremendous amount. Uh, and two is I think that they have some, <coughs> excuse me, I think that they have some money left over from Julian Araujo and, and what they're trying to do there. And so I think that when you look at this, this is possibly an upgrade. Yes, you could have probably found a domestic player to come in and be your third goalkeeper, but they're going to give this guy a chance. Uh, Michovic is, um, is, 21 years old, right? 6'3", 170 pounds. Um, coming from, uh, he was born in, in Serbia, playing for a Serbian team. Uh, so he comes in. This is a chance for the LA Galaxy to test drive him, to see what he's doing. This is a one-year loan, basically until the end of the season with a purchase option to buy. Uh, I think that any money they have here was sort of a Julian Araujo leftover. Um, they have, and they probably already have the money that they have earmarked under the cap for everything else that they need. Um, for the additional player I imagine they're still going out to get. All right. So uh, this is an upgrade that is made possible uh, by somebody like Julian Araujo being sold to a Barcelona. That's my take on it. All right. We haven't had to talk to Greg yet about this, mostly because 
it wasn't a game thing. I know everybody wants us to ask every question every time, and that's just not possible uh, for us to do. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, they didn't spend a tremendous amount of money. Even if it's a million dollars on the loan, it seems like the Galaxy have that and that they were more than willing to spend it. And I don't think it hamstrings them. And this is a rental period. Okay, they get to rent him. This also could mean that Jonathan Klinsman or Jonathan Bond is on the chopping block. All right. Maybe maybe they remember when Jonathan Bond got his um, his contract extension was in the summer uh, of last year. Right. Maybe that they're thinking maybe that wasn't a great idea. Not saying that that's what they're saying. I'm just speculating. Right. Maybe they're thinking there's some flexibility there that they can move Bond somewhere else that Bond could be sold. That Klinsman could be sold. All right. Um, so, so this is where we're, this is where we're sort of at, um, with this, I have no problems with it. Uh, yes, you can spend $300,000, but you're not, you're not spending $300,000. See, this is the whole thing. Commercial underground. You're not spending $300,000. You're spending $150,000 now and $150,000 next year in caps in cap hit space in general allocation money space. You're spending 150,000 this year and 150,000 next year. All right. This is probably the best indication. And I know we were talking about this on the discord. This is probably the best indication that the LA Galaxy have an actual list of goalkeepers, an actual list of players that they're ready to pull the trigger on, that they have had advanced scouting on, that they have looked things. Because if this is a reaction to Jonathan Klinsman and the broken finger, if this is a reaction to the fact that they thought maybe we're not going to have a competent backup in Major League Soccer, we were able to go out and get this job done and get it done quickly. All right. This is actually, in my mind, this is a healthy sign that the LA Galaxy have a scouting network that 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 is ready and willing to take on sort of the unknown. Now, having said that, you still want to see them put out a, a, a put out, you know, a winger or find that one last player in these last three weeks. Um, so we'll see if, if that's something they could do. Uh, take a look at the roster while I take this drink of water. Um, there are 28 players now. Galaxy still have room for two more. Uh, lots of people are going to tell you the spots 29 and 30 are reserved for homegrown players. They are correct. Uh, the Galaxy have plenty of homegrown players they can put in spots 29 and 30, which means that they have open spots in other places. All right. So uh, the Galaxy still probably have a senior roster spot, I'm guessing, because um, they can always move things around a little bit. Um, so that's where I am sort of looking and saying based off this that they have at least room for one, for one more possibly two more players two more roster spots for sure uh cap room is is another question and, and certainly something uh to pay attention to we look at the schedule coming up houston coming up this uh this saturday 5 30 p.m uh, apple tv mls season pass that's where you can find it uh then the la galaxy home and hosting lafc on 1 30 on april 16th uh then their home hosting austin on 4 22 7 30 p.m game and then a 4 30 p.m game over in orlando to close out april a busy april a tough april as we've mentioned uh, many times before i want to point out this saw this floating around social media as well uh a a, a twitter user at Mr. C H O N T E 47. I don't know how to say that. Um, we'll just, we'll just leave that there. Uh, basically said being a season ticket, ticket holder has its perks since the Jersey launched and goes planned. I was gifted an awesome signed Jersey from Jonathan Bond, an apology letter from Klein. Um, Basically, the the letter, and I was able to zoom in and read it earlier, says, you know, uh, while we enjoyed having you at the season ticket member, we, we acknowledge that things that the event was not up to our standards. We had told you that 
anybody who's there would have told you that players were supposed to sign autographs. They're supposed to do a thing. It's nice seeing the LA Galaxy do the right thing. This is the right thing. Uh, people who were there and uh, were able to, uh, you know, that were sort of in line for some of those autographs and stuff like that are getting signed jerseys from these guys. Bond, and I think there was a Jovalich, and there was other different ones in there um, that were all around. So uh, getting a, a Jonathan Bond shirt, not the worst thing in the world whenever it comes to the Galaxy needed to make that right, though, because that was not a great event. Um, so I'm glad that they they fixed that for the people who are in who are in attendance and the season ticket holders who who really you know trusted them to to make that event what it was supposed to be, um, and yeah we'll see, so we'll uh, we'll see how it all all goes and how it all plays out. But that is the correct response to to what happened as as far as I'm concerned. Um, let's see anything else? No, that's it. I mean, listen, the LA Galaxy are third from the bottom of the supporter shield. Do you need me to tell you that? No. Am I worried? Not necessarily. Not yet. Um, so I'm really interested to see this Houston game. I think the LA Galaxy are going to be all sorts of fired up for this Houston game. Um, we'll see if Chicharito can play. We'll see how much of an impact Douglas Costa has. Maybe Alda is able to get in. Julian comes in, and, and he's able to play a little left back. Maybe we can start seeing that this week. Um, so there's a lot of things that still have to come together. Again, I think we're waiting for a couple different shoes still to drop. So uh, waiting for, for Novak uh, Michovic to come in as well and sort of see what that is and how that is. And if this is something that perhaps he plays uh, and he's able to get some time um, or if he doesn't play in the LA Galaxy really like him, this could be a guy who stays with the Galaxy for a long time and possibly, you know, and, and we always say it, it's such a cliche anymore, but possibly one of those guys you get, you develop a little bit and you sell um, and you're able to make your money off of that, right? The Julian Araujo sale, uh, has to have them a little bit uh, pumped up. That's why Efrai and Alvarez could still be on the chopping block, um, especially come the summer. And you're like, but they can't replace them in the summer. They could possibly replace them domestically, uh, which is something that I know we gloss over a lot. But the Galaxy aren't allowed to make international transfers. Um, you can still make, uh, it, it seems like they're still going to be able to make those internal transfers. All right. So chicken wings, all that fun stuff that we talked about in this particular game, galaxy lose two to one to Seattle redemption game coming up against Houston in Houston. Um, so that should be, uh, that should be the chance for the LA galaxy. Houston, not great. Uh, Ben Olsen's coach under there. Yeah, I think Ben Olsen is there. Yeah, that makes it fun. Uh, so Ben Olsen, Greg Vanny uh, should be uh, an interesting one to see. But uh, the Houston Dynamo and, and the LA Galaxy, not exactly at the top of any list. Uh, Houston, not horrible, though. Uh, I shouldn't just like come out here and say, oh, well, Houston's this worst team ever in the history of everything. No, um, you know, they are they are in 18th place in the Supporters Shield and the Galaxy are in 27th, right? Houston has five points. So they have two more points than the LA Galaxy right now. Galaxy could easily have two more points. So don't think that there's anything. Uh, that Soder goes with that, that that tells you that Houston is going to be one, an easy game or a really difficult game. It's going to be something in between. And we always know that weird things happen whenever they go to Houston or Dallas or anywhere in Texas. All right. All right. That's what we got. Uh, LA Galaxy 2-1 losers to Seattle, uh, a redemption game, uh, a turnaround game coming up against Houston. Uh, I'm, I'm already telling you that I'm going to be way more optimistic about this Houston game than I have about a lot of other games. And if you look at the rest of the the schedule coming up this month. This is probably the easiest game, even though it's on the road uh, for the LA Galaxy. All right. Big thanks to uh, Christian Miles for uh, for stopping by and hanging out with us. Uh, his insight is always appreciated. Uh, definitely want to uh, always check out Christian Miles on Twitter. Anywhere else you can find him. He's great. At C Miles Sports is where you can find him on Twitter. All right. Uh, if you're looking for me, it's at Jay Guessman, J-G-U-E-S-M-A-N. And of course, at Galaxy Podcast, Corner of the Galaxy. Dot com is where you can find it. Uh, and Mr. Kevin Baxter will be back in latimes.com at kbaxter11 on Twitter. Uh, we'll be able to talk to him next Monday, but we'll have a live show for you coming up on Thursday. Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Don't, don't know who my co-host is, but we'll get you ready for that Houston game. All right, that does it for me. 
for Kevin, the Panda Baxter. For Mr. Christian Miles, I'm Josh Patrick-Essman. You've been listening. You've been watching to Corner of the Galaxy from the box on cornerofthegalaxy.com. Have a great one, everybody. You've been listening to the Corner of the Galaxy podcast on cornerofthegalaxy.com. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Galaxy Podcast. And be sure to check out and subscribe to iTunes, Stitcher, and Facebook by searching for Corner of the Galaxy. Fans, we thank you for listening, and we ask that you be kind and courteous to your neighbors as you leave the podcast. We thank you for joining us and look forward to seeing you again. Until then, I'm Michael Araujo, and on behalf of the entire Corner of the Galaxy crew, goodbye, everybody.